I appreciate the elders giving me the opportunity to speak this evening. I think it was mainly to so you would appreciate Chris more when he gets back. And Jake told me whatever I did to study. So I'll try to remember those things. <laughs> As you can see, we have our, our subject is today, this evening, is the judgment day. In John 12 and 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him in the last day. The words that I speak unto you, the same shall judge him in the last day. We see from this verse of Scripture two important things. One is that we will have a judgment. And secondly, we're told by what we shall be judged. The word of Jesus Christ. In Acts 24, 25, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and, and uh, heard him concerning his faith in Christ. And he reasoned with him of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. Felix trembled. Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I wonder how many of us have known people through our lives that knew what to do, knew what they had to do in order to receive salvation, and they were waiting for that convenient season, but the convenient season did not come, and they died unprepared to see their God. In 2 Peter uh, 2 and 9, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly out of temptation and to remove the unjust into the day of judgment to be punished. Another verse telling us what will happen to both people, those that are prepared and those who are not. In Hebrews 9, 20, uh, 27 and 28, we're talking about the certainty of judgment. And it is appointed unto man once to die, and after death the judgment. So Christ being once offered for sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time unto salvation. We know that judgment is just as certain as death. As we see in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed that a man wants to die, and after death, the judgment. It is a certain, just as certain as the Lord's resurrection. In Acts 17, 30 and 31, he said, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but commandeth all men everywhere to repent. For it's appointed the time when he shall judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, the man Jesus Christ. We find that uh, we know that the certainty of, uh, it's just as certain as the Lord's resurrection. And again, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but commandeth all men everywhere to repent. We know also that it is just as certain as the events that have, have been predicted by God, which uh, have been fulfilled, such as the fall of Samaria, the destruction of Nineveh, the overthrow of Jerusalem, the fall of Babylon. All of these things predicted came to pass. It's in harmony with the conscience of man. There is always a, a universal feeling that one will have to give an account for his actions. And I know that this plagues millions of people. If the principle of justice is to prevail, there must be a judgment. Consider Nero, if you would. Nero was a sexual degenerate who lived with a man for his wife for a period of time. At 22, he had his mother killed. 
First he tried to poison her, and this didn't work. And then he tried to drown her, and she swam from the shipwreck that he had arranged. And finally he had his assassins to slay her with swords. And upon viewing her corpse, he said, I did not know that I had so beautiful a mother. His only remark. Well, we, he wanted an excuse then to put away his wife, Octavia. And he had one of his mother's killers to testify that he had committed immorality with Octavia, and she was banished, later beheaded. Her head was sent to Nero. Nero was then free to marry Pompey. And when she was several months along with child, he kicked her in the stomach, and both she and the unborn child died. He burned Rome. Apparently, he did not like the way that it was built. Uh, the Roman populace was outraged at this action. And Nero had to find a scapegoat for burning the uh, city, so he uh, blamed the brethren. He took the lead in, in persecuting uh, the church. Some Christians were covered with animal skins and put into a den with dogs, and they were devoured. And some were crucified. And we know that uh, some were buried alive. And Nero uh, rode through his garden in a chariot, and all the way was lighted with the bodies of burning Christians. Paul was killed in this persecution, and more than likely Peter was also. The Roman populace finally saw that Nero had to be destroyed. And so realizing that the end was near, Nero attempted to drown himself, but he couldn't. Then he tried to stab himself and feel the sharpness of the blade. He could not have the nerve to do so. So with the help of a servant, he got the blade into his body. And so is a suicidal death the only punishment that Nero is to receive? In Proverbs um, 11 and, and 21, it says, Because he hath... Uh, uh, that no work will, uh, in 11 and 21, he says, Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. We find that people of the, uh, that, of course, many people are, are not as guilty as Nero. They think their sins are not as, as bad, but, of course, sin separates us from God anyway. There must be a judgment for Nero and his kind if justice is to prevail. Who will be, who will be the judge? Well, at first glance, in some passages, it seems that God the Father will be the judge. But that's not the case. In, the, in Acts uh, 17, 30, and 31, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed the day in which he should judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, Whereof he given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. We know that judgment will be done by the Father through the Son. In Hebrews 12 and 23, to the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, in, in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the saints of just men made perfect. That seems to indicate that verse that God will be the judge. But we find that that's not to be the case. And however, we know that the judging will be done by the Son. In Acts 17, 30 and 31, we notice that. And also in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an answer for the deeds done in this body, whether they be good or whether they be evil. 
In 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ that shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, and so forth. But he said he would judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. In Acts 10 and 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify, it is he who was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. We know why is Christ to do the judging? Well, because of the fact that he was the Son of Man. He says, For uh, the Father uh, judgeth no man, but has given uh, the judgment over uh, to uh, the Son. We find that uh, in uh, John 5 and 27, And he hath given authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Christ is able to understand the viewpoint of men, for he himself was a man. So it's the same principle for his being our mediator. In 1 Timothy 2 and 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Christ is able uh, to understand the viewpoint of God, for he himself is deity. It is a fearful thing to think about being judged by Jesus, because our excuses just will not work. One may say, Lord, I was afraid and just could not continue. And the Lord will say in reply, I too was afraid. Simply, surely you read about how I feared the sharpness of death and the shadow of the cross. However, I did not let fear deter me from duty. Another might justify himself saying, Lord, I was alone. No one in my family was interested in serving you. The pressures were just too great, and I gave up. And Christ could answer, I too was alone at the cross. It was necessary even that the Father forsake me in order that I could die on the cross. When he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was mentioned this morning. We find that it was important for God to, uh, had to uh, forsake him in order that he might die on the cross. He was the first and only one that God ever forsook first. Think about that. We know that uh, when he, he talked about the fact that he was alone. Think about when he was at the, at the very uh, crisis of his life, when his disciples fled out into the darkness and one uh, Peter would deny, uh, say that he did not know him, and even with an oath, do so. And now he was left alone in order to face all of those proceedings. So yes, he knew what being alone would be, and it would not be a good excuse. Still another may say the temptations were just so strong I could not stand. And Jesus could say, I was also tempted. Did you not read that I was tempted in all points like as you, without sin? But... Another might say, well, I was ridiculed and scorned for my faith. People called me narrow and, my, and, and uh, bigoted, and some described me as a Campbellite. The Lord's reply was said, yes, I know something about ridiculed and scorned. I underwent ridiculed and scorned for you. But think about how wonderful, on the other hand, it is to be judged by Jesus Christ. And we know that Hebrews 4, 14-16, seeing then that we have... High priest has ascended into heaven and passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. 
For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but it was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. Yes, we have a high priest who has, has ascended into heaven. And how wonderful it is that he is our mediator and that he will be our judge. And we know that he uh, would, uh, could very easily say, I know the failures that this person has, been a has had to endure, but, I, but at the same time, look at my sacrifice upon the cross and save this person eternally. Because I lived in the flesh. I know something about what he or she has had to endure. And therefore, he would be such a just judge that he could say to God, please save this person, for uh, he has at least tried and has received forgiveness of sins that he has committed or she has committed. We find that who will be judged? Well, we find it will be the living and the dead. In 2 Timothy again, 4, 1 and 2, I charge thee before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead is his kingdom, preach the word. Also, I, I saw the dead, uh, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of that thing according to their, book, according to their works. He saw the, the, the dead, uh, small and great, uh, stand before God, and there we find when the books were opened, there was another book that was opened, and that book is the book of life. Now the question is, every person is judged by the things that are written in the book of life. What is written in that book for each of us? We know this is figurative language, but it helps us to understand for those things for which uh, we must answer. And so therefore, we find that we need positive things. We need, we need not have, need to have unforgiven sins in that book, but we should always be praying that our sins be forgiven and that we don't continue to make the same ones. Yes, we find the small and great will be judged, the saved uh, and the unsaved. In Matthew 25, 31 to 46, <clears throat> when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and the holy angels with him and shall sit on the throne of his grace and before him shall be gathered all of the nations of the earth, and uh, he will divide them as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And uh, he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And then he shall say to those on his right hand, Come, uh, you blessed to my father, receive the uh, inheritance prepared for you for the king for the beginning of the earth. He says, For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick. And you ministered unto me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they will say, Master, when did we see you in all of these conditions? That you were hungry and thirsty and stranger, naked and, and uh, sick and, and in prison. And he will say, since you did it unto one of these, the least of my disciples, you did it unto me. But those on the left hand, he will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Why? Because... I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. I was naked, and you clothed me not. I was sick, and you visited me not. I was in prison, you ministered to me not. And he said, well, when did we see you in all of these conditions and fail to take care of your needs since you did not do it? And, and to one of these, the least of my disciples, you did it not unto me. And they shall depart into everlasting punishment. 
but the righteous unto life eternal. Which one of those groups are we in? Are we in those that are interested in taking care of others, not congregationally? Yes, but individually. <clears throat> Do we take advantage of those opportunities to serve others when that opportunity comes up? We find that some will be judged by failing to do just that. He said the cities of the earth will be judged. And in Matthew 11, 20 to 28, that's where he upbraided the cities for uh, their sin and uh, for their uh, failure to serve God. And we know then that we will uh, actually be, germ uh, uh, will be uh, judged individually. In uh, Romans uh, uh, 14, 11, and 12, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Think about this for a moment. You know now we can be obedient to God, live a Christian life, have everything for which to look forward to, and hear well done. But on the other hand, if we, uh, if we find that if we do the opposite, what's, what's left for us? What we're going to be able to enjoy? Well, that's absolutely uh, the worst thing that could happen to the human being. So then every one of us can give an account of himself to, to God. But think about this. There, there, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Now we can do that and be saved eternally by living faithful to that. But then it's too late. We will confess Christ. We will bow before him. But if we have not been obedient to his word, then he will, be, he will tell us to depart from him. So that's something that we need to, everyone, take into consideration and, and make sure that we are doing what God has told us to do. We will not be joined, uh, uh, judged, uh, really, by uh, nations. We won't be judged by cities or families or congregationally. But we, as we mentioned, will be judged individually. Think about Matthew 25, 14 to 30, the parable of the talents. Suppose all of them had received the same thing that the one who did not produce any fruits received. You see, this one-talent man was an honest man. <clears throat> he, didn't, he didn't steal anything. He returned what he was given. But we find that he was condemned because he failed to do anything. He neglected the great salvation which first began to be spoken unto us by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. The sin of neglect is going to cause many people to be lost. We need to be so very careful that we don't neglect opportunities to serve and neglect this great salvation because it has been provided for us. We... <clears throat> In, uh, and we know also as we're thinking about who will be judged, think about the angels in heaven are, are to be judged. In 2 Peter 2 and 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into darkness to be reserved unto judgment. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 3, know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Well, the basis that we found out of the book of, of the judgment will be the books. And we talk about the books being open, the book of life. That's, how, that's the basis of judgment. And what is meant by this expression? <clears throat> well, it, it simply means it will be judged by the standard under which uh, a given people live. 
Some people will be judged by the gospel. John 12 and 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth me in the last day. The words I speak unto him shall judge me in the last day. Mark 16 and 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. In Hebrews 10 and 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. So much the more as you see the day approaching. In 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 6, uh, 1 and 2, 16, 1 and 2, now concerning the collection for the saints, I've given all the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, as, uh, as you see the door approaching. A anyway, others will be judged by the law. We find <coughs> that those who are judged by the law uh, will be, uh, for as many as have sinned without law shall perish without law. But as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So there'll be, there'll be those that will be judged, judged by the law, and they will not be asked about uh, their faith in Christ. They, they'll be judged by the, the standard under which they live. The Jews under the law of Moses will be, uh, <clears throat> not be asked about baptism. Those under the gospel will not be uh, pronounced for failure to keep the Sabbath. The Gentiles in Romans 2, 12 to 16 will not be condemned for failing to keep the Lord's Supper, and Abraham will not be uh, criticized uh, for uh, not calling on God in Christ's name. We, <clears throat> but you know, we, uh, we should be judged in the light of our behavior. And we know that we'll be judged for our thoughts. And therefore we know that those things that we just our thoughts. Think about being judged just by, uh, for our thoughts. Uh, we find that many things, I'm sure all of us uh, think things that are not right and not good, but nobody knows it but us and Christ. And therefore, we know that we'd be judged by our thoughts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4 and 5 and Romans 2, 15 and 16. He says uh, we will be judged by our thoughts. And Ecclesiastes 12 and 4. And I'm going over these rather hurriedly for the lack of time. And Matthew 12, 36 and 37. But I say unto you, everyone that, uh, uh, that believeth in, in him, uh, everyone that, that does not believe in him shall uh, be lost. In Acts, <clears throat> we'll be judged for our acts. 1 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we know, in, again, Romans 20 and 12, where it talks about the books being opened and we're judged out of the things written in that book. And we also know that uh, we will be judged for what we fail to do. John 4 and 7, if we fail to use our talents, as we mentioned a few moments ago, we're given certain talents, and we are to use those talents in the service of God. And they vary from person to person. And therefore, whatever that talent may be, we should use it for God. If we fail to make sufficient preparation as the uh, very five virgins did who failed to make sufficient preparation for the wedding feast in Matthew 25, uh, Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Uh, actually, fail, uh, failed to take care of the needy in Matthew 20, 30, uh, uh, 25, 31 to 46. A failure to obey the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 9, Till you are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them that know not God and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of God 
and from the glory of his power. Yes, not, we, we find that we will be judged in that day according to our works. We know that the judgment is final. In Hebrews 6 and 2, of the doctrines of baptism and eternal judgment. This means the consequences of judgment are eternal. In Matthew 25, 46, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. There is no appeal to a higher court. What court outranks the judgment of God? There will be no escape. In, Matthew, in Hebrews 2, 1 to 3, Therefore we ought to give the mourners heed to the things we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. But the word first spoken by angels proved steadfast, and every transgression received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So we find that uh, the judgment is final of the, of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands, of uh, resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Hebrews 6 and 2. But we also are going to be judged, of course, by <clears throat> whether or not we have been obedient to the gospel of Christ. And we, I know of no better place to turn to talk about uh, obedience and, and what we are supposed to do than the second chapter of Acts. That's where the church began. That's where people were told what to do. There was a certain group of people there that were upset and they they knew that they had committed a horrible crime and uh, it says then Peter standing up the 11 starting James 1 12 I mean uh, in uh, 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 actually uh, as, as I mentioned Acts 2 uh, then uh, Peter standing up the 11 lifted up his voice and said to them you men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem be this known unto you and hearken to my words for these not drunk as ye suppose seeing this but a third hour of the day but this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Upon my servants and upon my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. For the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these things. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you uh, by miracles and wonders and signs, by whom God did these things in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, he being delivered up by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and with wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, for it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Now to whom was he speaking? Was Peter speaking? He's speaking to people who took an active or a passive part in putting Jesus Christ upon the cross. Those who agreed with it. Those who told Pilate that his blood be upon our hands and upon the hands of our children. And then when Christ died and they saw all the miracles that happened at the death of Christ, when they saw that, they said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Now, how do you think they felt after realizing that they had put Christ on the cross? They were wanting to know, what can they get? how can we get rid of this awful guilt? They took their hearts and cried out and said, Men and brethren, what must we do? Let me ask you, will you take what he said? If we preach the same gospel today that they preached, and, we, uh, and people uh, do the same thing that those people did, what will they become? They will just become Christians. And they were pricked in their hearts and cried out and said, Men and brethren, what must we do? 
And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and your children, to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. <laughs> and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received the word were baptized and were added unto them that same day about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were on. And we find in the last verse how, that those that they obeyed the gospel of Christ were added to the church. Now that's very simple. If someone asks you just exactly what must I do to be saved, turn to Acts 2. Let them tell you what you have to do, because it's very simple. We also find that after we have done those things, that many times, uh, and thinking about judgment and answering for the fact that we may have failed to be obedient to Christ, suppose we have been obedient to Christ. And then suppose something has come between us and the Lord. Perhaps we have yielded to various temptations in our life. I know that all of us are tempted, and none are tempted exactly the same way. No one could tempt me with alcohol because I never have had any. And, but they can tempt me in some other way. And so, you, what's your weakest point? That's how the devil tempts us. Some may say, well, God has uh, just put more temptations in front of me than I can handle. But James 1, began verse 12, said, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he received the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of evil, and neither tempteth he any man. And every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And lust, when it has conceived, bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. That tells us how temptation. God created us as free moral agents. We see that when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they could make a choice and they made the wrong one. I wonder how many times in our life we come to a choice that need to be made and we make the wrong one. So that's the reason we find that God does not attempt us. He just created us so we could make up our own mind. He did not want a bunch of robots uh, to follow him. He wanted people who chose him, people who put him first, people that loved him with all their heart, soul, mind, strength, and body and people who would dedicate their lives to him. That's who God wants to be with him eternally. And therefore, the temptations can cause us uh, to be uh, separated from God. You know, also a, a failure to bear fruit. In John 15, uh, beginning verse 1, I'm the true vine, my father is the husband. Every branch of me that beareth fruit, he purchased it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the words that I have spoken unto you and so forth. What, what he's saying here is that the vine is Christ. The branches are Christians. And when this Christian quits, quits bearing fruit, he is severed from the vine, is cast forth as a branch, is withered, cast forth as a branch. Men gather them, they cast them in the fire, and they're burned. Now, if you need no other text than that to tell you it's possible to fall from grace, that's, that's one of them. Because here's a Christian bearing fruit. He quits bearing fruit and he suffers. Cast forth in his burn, dying in that condition. And so we find that all of us, it matters not where we are in life. We're always tempted. We can quit bearing fruit. We can neglect the great salvation. We can make wrong decisions in our lives. 
But what a wonderful blessing it is to know that as Christians we can come to God in prayer and asking Him for forgiveness. How wonderful it is that we're able to do that. And so I ask you this evening, if you are ready to put God on in baptism, if you've wandered away from Christ, you need the prayers of the church, if we can help you in any way, we beseech you to come as together we stand and as we sing.